If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. All right. Well, good morning. How is everybody? So far, so good? Are you ready to get gooder? All right. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis. I want to have my friend, Pastor Scott Boney, to come up here just right quick. You got a microphone for him here. Scott was, uh, of course, many of you know Scott. was in a, with our ministry for many, many years. And uh, now he is in Hammond, Louisiana. And, well, I don't think this thing works. And he is the college pastor at Southeastern Louisiana University. Him and his wife, Crystal, and their kids are all there and uh, just doing a great thing. I just want him to, want you to see him and, you got anything to say? Yeah, you need to say something. <laughs> I'll just give this kind of to you. Awkward. Oh, we've been closer. Have you but kissed me lately? Just say what you need to say. <laughs> I'm from Louisiana now. <laughs> this makes me feel special. Good morning. Oh, y'all are a beautiful crowd, aren't you? Some of my favorite people in this room go back many, many years. And uh, I am excited hearing about all that God is doing. Another service that is fantastic. I'm looking forward to the next time I visit even being bigger and better. Amen. 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 Thank you, man. I love you. Scott, Scott is, uh, Scott preached here Wednesday night and just brought a tremendous message. I mean, the miracles that have occurred in, in their lives have just been amazing and just in, in restoration, in provision, and healing just flows in. So I, I teach a course, a class at Christ for the Nations called Healing and Miracles. And so I wanted that class to be able to hear from Scott on to, uh, Thursday morning. So he taught there, preached to our youth on Thursday night. He's going to preach in our Dallas church today. So I told him, I said, you're going to be here. I'm going to spend you, man. Uh, but, I mean, great things are happening with us. They began that college ministry back in August. And how many did you have when you started? Eight. Eight. And in their last meeting, they had 72. And uh, he's, uh, he's the chaplain for the football team, has been leading lots of football players to Jesus. And uh, we're just real excited about their ministry and what God's doing with the bonies. <clears throat> so, all right. Let, have you found Genesis chapter 1? If you haven't, we'll have it up on the screen for you. And uh, you can read along with us. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. I've just titled this message today, Great is Our God. Let's all say that together. Great is our God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity I have again to preach your message. Thank you that you've graced me to do this. You've called me to do it, God, and I stand here a privileged man to be able to deliver your eternal word to these hearers today. And God, I pray now that you do what only you can do, that you would release the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ, that you would illuminate the scriptures, God, for all these here today, God, so that they may be renewed in their hope in God, that they may be empowered, God, to live the kind of life that you've called them to live, God. Your word is life to those who find it, and it is health to all of their flesh. 
And Lord, we thank you that your word guides us by your spirit into all truth. And I thank you for these next few moments, God, that we would grow today, that we would, we would see you in a new way, in a, in a refreshing way, God, that you would reveal a new dimension of you to us so that we, we, we are completely altered by it, God, that we change. Lord, it's your word that has all the power to change. And there's some changes that need to take place today, God. There are decisions that need to be made, God. There are, there are lives right now that are, in the, that are in trouble, that are in turmoil. They need help. And you are a very present help in time of need. Speak to every individual in here today, God. We open up our hearts and our minds and our lives now to hear what you say to us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Light, light thundered out of his mouth at 186,000 miles per second. That's fast. I wish I had a car to go up fast. You'd get where you wanted to be real quick. You'd overshoot probably most of the time. 186,000 miles per second. Per second. Now, we're going to talk about the greatness of God today in a couple different ways, but we're going to, I, I want to talk about our universe and talk about the, the expanse of space and all the, I mean, we can't cover all of that today, but just a peek into what God has done when he, what he did when he said, let there be light. There is a galaxy called the Whirlpool Galaxy. They call it the darling of astronomy. And it sets out there in space, oh, about um, 31 million light years away from us. 31 million light years, not 31 million years, 31 million light years away from us, all right? So we can't really put inches and yards to this. So we're going to just try to measure in light years for a moment, all right? So we can somewhat get a, get a grasp of, of how big our God is. We really can't. But we can, we can try the best we know how. And so this galaxy here is, like I said, 31 million light years away from us, 31 million Light years away. Now, light travels in one year 5.8 trillion miles. That's, that's a long way. In one year. So, so imagine 5.8 trillion miles are traveled in one year. Now, we, we want to measure for a moment how God works. If it's, more, if it's 31 million light years away, this galaxy here, then all you have to do in order to, if you wanted to take a trip to the Whirlpool Galaxy, then all you have to do is just travel um, at the speed of light for 31 million years. And then you get there.
Our God is great. How did we even capture an image like this? The Hubble telescope rides above us at 360 miles and it captures images of heavenly bodies and it captured this image 31 million light years away. And that, now that's extraordinary to me and it's hard to put my mind around something that far away and that great. It holds in it, they say, about 300 billion stars. 300 billion stars in this galaxy alone. Now, this is one of billions of other galaxies. All right? Did I lose you? Are you with me here? I mean, it's hard. It's just, it goes beyond our finite thinking, but, but we get to peek into the greatness of God with, with things like this. We have in our solar system one star. Anybody name that star? Be a good clan. Good. Give that girl a gold star. The sun. The sun makes up in our solar system about 99% of the mass in our solar system. It is, it is a massive thing in itself. There it is. It's a little harsh looking that close up. Uh, but it's 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And so that's why we like the sun to stay where it is. We like it to just be right there. But if you wanted to get in an airliner today, which travels about 600 miles per hour, and you wanted to take a trip to the sun, it would take you a little over 17 years to get there. It's 93 million miles away from the earth, a lot closer than what we were looking at earlier. And yet, 93 million miles away, but at the speed of light, it can hit your face here in McKinney, Texas in a little over eight minutes. It's extraordinary. And it is, in volume, about a million times larger than the earth. Okay? I don't, I don't know if that, if that got you. Okay, let's, I'm going to try to use this little laser pointer. All right. But in diameter, they say that to cross the sun here, to, to measure the earth to the sun, it would take 109 earths to go across there. So let's say this dot is the earth, and that's the sun. That might be close. I don't know. I mean, if, say if there was a golf ball, it would be, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter from that. All right, so we're, we're somewhat close. Maybe this is better. Maybe that's more accurate. All right? 109. Are you guys getting this? 109. Earth's why? The earth is something like a little less than 25,000 miles around. All right? The scripture teaches us in Psalm chapter 33 that the word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. I thought that was awesome that Mark was reading this morning from Psalm chapter 18 where it talked about when, when God was breathing that fire and coals came out. That, that sun right there is a big fiery coal. God breathed it out. He didn't, he didn't make these things with his hands. God spoke the universe, he spoke these heavens, these heavenly bodies into existence when he said, light be. And light began to go out. And these things were made by the breath of his mouth. Your heavenly father, ladies and gentlemen, breathes out stars. Glory to God. 
by the breath, of, not, not breath of his mouth. Now, Psalm chapter um, uh, one nineteen and verse one thirty says, "The entrance of your word gives light; it gives understanding to the simple." So, with light, there is understanding. With light, there is truth. With light, there is knowledge. It gives understanding. That's why, see, when you're here today, and that's why I prayed this, this morning that the spirit of wisdom and a revelation or illumination from God would be here because the word, it's his word that brings light. It is that light lamp unto your feet, as David said, and a light unto your path. It helps you know where you're going. You know, the word of God is designed in such a way that you can never go wrong if you'll follow its instructions. Ever. You can always find yourself in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, living the right kind of life by simply following the word. That's why God gave it to us, not to give us rules, to give us true freedom. Now let's go to this next piece of creation. That's just a little glimpse of heaven. I mean, our sun alone like I said, it's about, a, it's, it's about a million earths in volume, but there are other stars out there that dwarf our own sun, one being called the Betelgeuse, B-E-T-E-L-G-E-U-S-E, and it's only 700 times bigger than our sun. Let's go to this bird here. This, I want to introduce to you the bar-tailed godwit. So it's it's a tremendous little animal. The bar-tailed godwit is a migratory bird, and he travels from Alaska to New Zealand. Do you know how far Alaska is from New Zealand? I'm glad you asked. It's 7,200 miles, all right? This bird makes a flight 7,200 miles continuously it's a non-stop one-way flight now look up here notice here at the top up there where it shows alaska and the right side of that heart looking shape he travels down all the way to new zealand non-stop flight and it takes him just less than nine days to get there that is day and night Day and night, day and night, day and night, non-stop flight. This little one-pound bird makes this flight every year. Now, at the time he flies, he's actually two pounds or so. He just happens to live in a very rich environment for a variety of foods for him. That's in the Yukon Delta where he pigs out on clams and worms and he, by the time he's done eating and gets ready for his flight, his body's made up of 50 to 55% of pure fat. And even when he's finished eating, his gizzard and his intestines shrink to almost nothing so that by the time he takes off, he's basically a brain, muscles, and a whole lot of fat. And when he takes off, he does this He has one mission, he has one destiny, one place, and that is 7,200 miles away, and it's a little speck out in the middle of that great Pacific Ocean. 
New Zealand is small, a little bitty, little, little bitty place. How he possibly can navigate and know exactly where to land a third of the way across the globe to that little spot in the ocean, how does he know he's going to land there? With no starts or stops, no rest stops on the way there to get a, a map out to make sure he's on the right track. The Godwit must fly. Now, the Godwit also has a little bit of disadvantage compared to some other birds in that he doesn't glide. He's not made to glide. He's made to flap his wings. So he doesn't get the, the privilege of an eagle or a condor or something like that. He has to do continual flapping of the wings for almost nine straight days and nights to get there to New Zealand. 7,200 miles, and he flies at an average speed of 35 miles an hour. Sometimes he can hit a good a favorable wind that will thrust him out there, you know, to 60 to 80 miles an hour, they say. But either way, his average speed is somewhere around that. And he has the ability. Now, scientists had this hunch that he was making this flight nonstop, but they didn't know exactly how that was happening. So they put these satellite transmitters on a few of these guys, and they began to track them. And by their speed, and, and they could tell where they were above the ocean, but that was about all they could figure out. But they, sure enough, their hunch was real that, that, that this bird does not stop whatsoever. And they said that the bird is, evil, is, is even able to make detours to catch the, the right kind of wind or to avoid the contrary wind. And still, he finds himself there in New Zealand almost nine days later. Researchers say that they've witnessed the, the Godwit coming in from that long flight and, and landing on the beach there in New Zealand on these wobbly legs where he collapses onto his belly and goes to sleep. Well-deserved. And by the time he's gotten there, he's, all the fat has gone off his body. He's back to about a one pound, but he's also burned a little bit of muscle as well. How does he know? My question is, how does the dude know how much to eat? How does he know? Well, he's got a nature like Brandon was talking about. God gave that bird a nature to know exactly what to do, how much to eat, what the body needs to do to get ready for the flight, how to navigate, they believe that he follows polarized light during the day, even if it's cloudy, and then at night follows the stars and navigates this journey. Either way, it's just one more evidence of the greatness of our God, that even in the vastness of the galaxies and the solar and the, the space that seems to be endless, and yet even in a one-pound bird, we see how great is our God. It's able to do magnificent things because it was created by a magnificent creator. Job must have been overwhelmed when he looked around at creation and he began to pin these words, but now ask the beasts and they will teach you and the birds of the air and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth and it will teach you. And the fish of the sea will explain to you. Who among, who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? Say that with me. The hand of the Lord has done this. In whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Creation is here for you. The fish of the sea the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, 
The earth itself is here, ladies and gentlemen, to witness to you, to declare to you, to speak to you about the hand of God. And the greatness of our creator. And how it all functions and works. Animals don't ever go, hey, I don't. Am I really a dog? I don't know who I am. I feel like a cat on the inside. <laughs> Creation doesn't do this. It just, it follows its nature. Put there by the maker. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 1. But of all these things, ladies and gentlemen, that God has created, all these things that, these images that we get to capture from time to time in the way vast space and even what we see on, the, on this planet Earth, and yet there's something even greater than all of that. Verse 26 of Genesis says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. You are the absolute pinnacle of God's creation. Because, you're, because you look like him. Look at this. In our image, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That puts you right at the top of the food chain, praise God. In verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Everybody all right out there? All right, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 139. We're going to be taking communion here in just a few minutes, but I want you to see this. You, you are the reason. You are the reason why we have this wonderful creation. You're it. God did it for you, for you to enjoy. He's given us richly, the scripture teaches us, all things to enjoy. Psalm chapter 139. Let's bring up this first image. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. I ride the wing, if I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. See, that God is there out in the middle of the air over a vast blue ocean to remind you that no matter where you are, God is there and he knows exactly where you are. Even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you 
for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. Now, however you were conceived, we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) However you were conceived, whether it was on purpose or whether it was on accident, whether it was intended or unintended, it makes no difference. The fact is, at the moment of your conception, look, he was there forming you, knitting together your inward parts. God was there. God was not surprised at your arrival. So the very moment you were conceived, he began over the next few months to formulate a plan for you and give you meaning and significance and purpose. You watched me, look at this, as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Notice, look at this. It says that you watched me. That is a really good thing to know that even when you were at this minuscule state of your life, that God's eye was on you. He was watching your substance being formed. You watched me. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Do you realize that you, your life is in a book? How you're made up? God, was, God has it written in a book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. Now that amazes me. How precious are your thoughts to me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. But you know what? All that we talked about earlier with this, that one galaxy having 300 billion stars and billions of galaxies, we've been able to somewhat number those things. You think about the vastness of that, and this says that his thoughts that are precious toward you can't be numbered. Verse 18. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. His precious thoughts to you outnumber the grains of sand. Now that, that we can put sand in our hand. We can't put those stars in it, but we can put sand in our hand. And, and, and so I just want to challenge you to grab you a handful of sand and just try to count the grains that are in your hand. Then compare that to the sand that's all over the earth, and yet God's thoughts toward us are more than that. And not just his thoughts, his precious thoughts toward us. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. You know, some of you are here with the wrong idea about God. Because of something that you've done or said or experienced in your life, you gathered a thought that God had other than good thoughts about you. Because your feelings told you that. Because maybe somebody who didn't know how God thought told you that. And yet when we see here, let me just say this for for just a moment. This is before Jesus came. This is before God sent his son to die for us. David has this reality about a God who only thinks good thoughts toward him and they outnumber every grain of sand. 
So for you to think anything other than that is thinking something other than the truth. Today, right now, God has good thoughts about you. Tomorrow when you wake up, God will continue to have good thoughts about you. Because that's who he is. You can't earn those good thoughts. That's just who he is. That's just what he gives. And he takes delight in you. Just for being who you are. Is this helping you today? I can't even count them. You are God's greatest concern. Above all that he, that he has made, he knows you down to the very beginning of your conception. And even before that, <laughs> he knows your name. I think it's extraordinary. And David said, when I consider the heavens and the works of your hands, the moon and the stars of your day, what is man that you're mindful of him? Why would, why would you pick this little blue marble out there in space to just fall in love with God? Out of all the creation, all the things you've created, what are, why are you so stuck on earth? Because you're here. Because you're here. Scripture says the earth is his footstool. God granted a man's request who was in the middle of a war, who's fighting these enemies that were trying to take them out him and his people. And God gave this guy a special request. He granted his very special request. And that was to halt the solar system for a little while so that he could finish what he was supposed to do. The scripture says that a man named Joshua was fighting a foreign country called, foreign people called the Amorites. And they were, they, were, they were chasing them down and they were hacking them uh, to death with swords. And they were trying to get what God had already promised them, that the Amorites were on their territory. So they began to take the Amorites out. And God got so involved in this war, the scripture says that he started hurling hailstones down at the Amorites. Man, you are in bad trouble when God gets on, in on the war with somebody against you. Right? And the scripture says that more died by the hailstones than by the swords that the men swung. And then, and then Joshua, in the middle of all this, is, realizes something. They're not going to finish this battle by nightfall. So he makes this ridiculous request. Scripture says he said to the Lord, sun, stand still. Moon, Stop. In the Hebrew literal text, it doesn't really mean sun stands still. It means sun stop working, cease from working. We don't, I mean, the scripture says that, it, that this happened. We know that something happened because Joshua bought time and everything 
was altered. Whether it came to a complete stop or it went to a really slow, gradual turn, either way, Joshua bought some time and was able to finish these Amorites off by the light of day. He bought time. He just said, and God made sure, he made everything, the solar system in which we all dwell, he altered it for this one man. What would God do for you to fulfill your purpose? He's so in your life, he's so interested in your life, in the purpose and the plan of your life that he's willing to do what it takes. He showed us by this guy right here, that he would halt or move heaven and earth. Just for you. He did it for one guy. Why would he do that? Because he loves you more than you could ever know. Some say, well, that's, that's typical Bible people thinking that the sun actually stood still. When we know that the earth actually rotates around the sun. And yet those same people say sunrise and sunset. It was really about Joshua's perspective from an earthly standpoint. God knew what he was talking about. Either way, it happened. That scripture that you were reading this morning, Mark, about God thundering from heaven upon those dark clouds, and I mean, think, I mean that's a, that was a, um, it's a big, big picture, and, a, and an immense picture of God. It's scary a little bit. When we read about Jesus coming, the scripture says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. That's a big mission. That's a warring mission, Amen. right? To destroy the works of the devil. So did he come thundering on that dark cloud with coals of fire coming out of his mouth to come and make sure that happened? No. He's manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Born and laid in a manger. A baby. He came as a baby to destroy the works of the devil so that you and I can all relate to this man named Jesus Christ that he was willing to go through every process of humanity so that you would never feel left out or alone so that you could know that God knows you he loves you and he can absolutely relate to you the scripture says hey we have a high priest that has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Because he's there, let us hold fast our confession of faith. Seeing then, we have a great high priest. Let's go to the next verse, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. God can sympathize with your weaknesses because Jesus lived your life. He lived the life of a human. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's the beautiful thing about it. Jesus could have sinned, but he just didn't. He could have. He had a choice, but he didn't. Let us, therefore, come boldly. Why? Because Jesus didn't sin. Because Jesus did everything that was necessary to conquer the power of sin. So, therefore, we could come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
your proper response to this great God of all this wonder and majesty and creation has invited you to come with confidence. Not groveling, but boldly. That's the right way to do it. That's the humble way to do it because that's what God said to do. We get caught up in a lot of self-righteousness and false humility thinking that we got to approach God, uh, please don't kill me, give me one more chance. And that's actually pride. Anything doing it other than what God said is called pride. That's your own pride. I'm so humble, I put it on a bumper sticker. <laughs> or I tweet about it, how humbled I am. Wait, isn't that the opposite? Oh, humility? Oh, okay. God said, come boldly. So you humble yourself under his opinion to meet with this great God of the universe. as a child who believes he owns the place. Because that's how your Heavenly Father wants you to come. Come in here like you got it all. Like everything I have is yours. Go ahead, guys, and pass out the communion. We're going to finish up with this. Receiving the Lord's Supper together. But this one moment, pull up this image if you would of Jesus. This one moment right here changed everything for all of us. That that baby grew up, that baby that was laid in a manger, born of a virgin, grew up, became a man, healed thousands of people, taught about God, said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father and then willingly did this right here so that you and I can have confidence before God and I want you to be confident today in receiving this we don't require you to be a member of One Cause Church to partake of communion there is one requirement and that requirement is this that you simply believe the gospel that you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he was buried in a tomb and he rose again. Whoever believes in him will receive everlasting life. That you surrender the fact that Jesus did everything necessary for you to have a good relationship and a right relationship with God. And you had nothing to do with that except simply believe it. But the moment you believe it is the moment you receive him and all of his grace into your life. It's the right response. Again, it goes against our kind of thinking because we think we need to earn things. Yeah, and if you're going to earn a paycheck, you have to work. But if you're going to earn salvation, you'll never earn it. Jesus earned it for you. You going to heaven is not your reward. You being in heaven is Jesus' reward for what he did for you. Amen. This moment right here. This happened in God's mind and heart long before 
it actually happened. Before Jesus actually marched up that hill called the Golgotha, the hill of the skull, with that cross and was laid down on that wood and took those nails into his feet and wrists and was raised, lifted up before all the earth. Before all of that happened, God had already settled it in his heart that he would do it. The scripture says that he was slain before the foundation of the world. So God already did all this. He already had this plan in motion just in case men sinned. And they did. And they did it well. And they continue to do it very well. But God did this for that purpose. There was a, there was a, there was a, a picture of this a long time ago before Jesus where the high priest who represented the nation of Israel would take this blood in this bowl and he would go into this place called the most holy place where no man could go, otherwise they died, and poured it over this thing called the mercy seat. It was just a box basically where the presence of God dwelt called the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of God. And he would take that blood of bulls and goats and he would pour it over the top of that box and that right there would signify to God that was good to God to cover their sins. It wouldn't take away their sins, wouldn't make them holy, but it would satisfy God's wrath for a little while. It was a temporary fix to an eternal problem. But it would, it would fix it. But here's the thing. That blood that was poured over that mercy seat was not for the sins that had been committed before, but it was committed, it was poured there for the sins yet to come in the next year. God covered them for the year. And this is a type and a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ coming to cover the sins yet to be. See, before you ever got here, your sins got dealt with, taken care of, paid for, so that you never have to. But if you don't ever believe that for yourself, then you don't ever receive the benefit of it. It's really beautiful. God did all this in preparation before the foundation of the earth. Let me just say, I think this is cool. That very first galaxy that we looked at, that Whirlpool galaxy, the Hubble telescope has taken wonderful pictures of that. And you can go to hubblesite.org if you want to see some of those amazing pictures. But it captured the very center of that galaxy, this white core, and in it, it captured a black hole. And that's the image. 31 million light years away. In the very beginning, God said, light be. And in those words were not only these physical grand bodies, but there was also a redemption plan right in the center of it. And you were in his mind there. Before any of this was here, Redemption is in the heart of everything that God does. Every word that he speaks, the essence of it is love. I want us to take this moment to receive the Lord's Supper. So what he did for us in Jesus 
was to assure you, to give you assurances. One being that his body was broken for you so that your body can be whole. And if you're here today and you're suffering in any kind of way, sickness, pain, disease, any of that, it's not of God. God made a way for you to receive health and wholeness. At this moment, believe him. Believe him for a healing. Believe him for a change in your body by receiving this communion today. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. And we now receive, we receive it with thanksgiving. We thank you for the covenant benefit of healing. By your stripes, we are healed. In Jesus' name. He also took this cup. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. When you drink this today, I want you to remember this for a moment, that God's blood, the blood of Jesus, didn't cover your sins so that you could say, I'm a sinner saved by grace because there's no such thing. You were a sinner, but being saved by grace is a whole nother reality. If you're a sinner saved by grace and all Jesus did was just kind of coded the problem. Are you hearing me? It's just like an old rusty car just getting a new paint job. Looks good on the outside, but it's still a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not a sinner saved by grace. You now by virtue of this blood have been redeemed from sin, saved by grace, and called a saint because you have a whole new nature on the inside of you. So we don't have to play those religious games, those, those false, and make those false, humble <laughs> accusations about ourselves, but fully take in the truth that I was a sinner, but now by his blood, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. He thoroughly dealt with my sin thoroughly took it out of the way, nailed it to that cross, made a public spectacle of the devil and all of his angels so that I could live in victory every day of my life. This blood is for you. And so we toast and we drink to the captain of our salvation, the Lord of all glory, the God of wonders, the creator of all the universe. In him, through him, and for him are all things. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood, that we are who we are today, who were far away, but have now been brought near. Thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd take your communion cups, pass them toward these center aisles here. Our ushers are coming to take them from you. Thank you so much for being here today. I know we went a little bit longer than normal. We were still only here an hour and 23 minutes. What a cool deal. <laughs> Is this ready? Praise God. All right, let's stand together this morning. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.
If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.